Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Oh. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lightford in on the pregame show. My voice just cracked. Oh, my headphones, and they're messing up. That's never good to start out the morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Yesterday, we got the news that Steph Curry and Draymond Green did not travel to Phoenix. They traveled back from Portland. And as we know, the All-Star break is coming up. Uh, Draymond Green, I don't know if he was playing at 100%. Uh, against the Trailblazers, but nonetheless, we had a game without Steph and Dre, and you know, just watching the broadcast, you could tell there wasn't much uh, much hope going into it. Fitz and Kalena, and you know, uh, and uh, and Bonte, Jennifer, and Darrell, they were given their positives and what to look for. But even though the Warriors did lose one twenty to ninety eight, and they're nineteen and eighteen on the season, I feel like that game last night, if you did watch it. And if, if you're a Warrior fan that's been going on about the second unit and or you were just too pissed to watch it, I get it. But if you did watch it last night, I do think there are a few things to focus on that we could look for in the second half. I think some questions might have been answered. 888 And I want to get to, really, I want to talk about Nico Mannion, Jordan Poole, and James Wiseman and what they showed in this game yesterday. Because the Suns were going out there with their starting lineup. They didn't pull any punches, even though the Warriors were going out there with, uh, you know, Nico Mannion and Wiseman to start out. I mean, (laughs) the Suns were still throwing out that starting lineup, which has been one of the most lethal in the NBA. But it was a good test. It was a good test. And let me just say this on the front end uh, about Steph and Draymond because people were mad. They felt like they were punting this game. Well, the Warriors have traveled a bunch this year, and I'm not going to try and use that as an excuse, but 
Draymond, I do feel like his ankle was still, I think it was still bothering him. And in this one, who knows if he would have actually played in Phoenix had Steph uh, uh, played as well. But I I had a feeling that he wouldn't be able to go on that ankle because that dribble drive to the hoop against the Blazers where he was called for a charge charge against Dame Lillard, I feel like that was kind of the last big push that he could make on that ankle before he had to officially take a break and then go travel again and then possibly play uh, against the Suns. But let me just say this. Other teams pool this load management stuff all the time during the regular season. Sure, they may not be in a position like the Warriors where they're fighting for a spot that's going to be between the 7th and 10th seed, trying to get to uh, uh, the play-in game. The play-in game, if you do not know, is um, the ter- the little tournament they do at the end of the year to determine the uh, to determine the seventh and eighth seed. So what they do is uh, they match up the seventh and eighth seed to determine who gets the eighth seed, and then they match up uh, the ninth and tenth seed to determine who gets the eighth. So four teams in that, and only two teams can come out on top. And the Warriors most likely are going to be in that position uh, toward the end of the year, depending on how the second half of the season goes. You never really know. But stars like this in the past have taken so many days off to me, and these guys haven't. Steph and Dre, I don't know if they've gotten enough appreciation for just how hard they've worked, because... These other teams, they have depth. They have other guys that they can rely on in order to win a basketball game. Steph and Dre are needed. And I equate Steph Curry in a way to Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, you see the dude, if you ever watch, if you ever watch soccer, watch just how much he runs up and down the pitch or field. Pitch is kind of the snobby way to put it, but... Watch how much he runs up and down the field. It's the same way that Curry runs off ball. Ronaldo makes these runs, tries to get open, maybe get a through ball to him so he can get an open uh, to so he can get an open lane and possibly drive to the goal. Steph Curry constantly moving off ball to try and get an open three. I equate those two, and I don't know if Steph has worked harder off ball than he has this year. And he has completely upped his defense. Even though it was an untimely game to take the night off as they move to 19 and 18 on the season, and you know the next few games aren't going to get any easier until they go and face the Houston Rockets because you got the Clippers, the Jazz, uh, and the Lakers coming up, all within the top five of the Western Conference. But I, I get it. <laughs> I get that they wanted to take the day off. And I do think, though, that with them taking the day off, we needed to see something from this team. And when you got Nico Mannion starting out, along with Wiggins, JTA, James Wiseman, and Damian Lee, you didn't know what they were going to bring. But I got to say, that first unit up against the Spurs... You know, in the third quarter, it was kind of taken away from them. They, there, there wasn't much of a chance. They did get it to within eight at one point, and you're like, oh, 
at the beginning of the third quarter, you're thinking, "Ooh, is there something there?" But then the Suns started to pull away, and 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 they didn't have much of a chance. They didn't have a chance at all, really, in this game. But I do think that the starting unit and in the first quarter alone, uh, they showed enough, and they showed enough to tell me that one Wiseman absolutely deserves more minutes. He had 34 minutes on the floor last night. Now, sure, he was 5 of 14 shooting and only had 11 points, and he only got to the free throw, free throw line twice, but he did have 11 rebounds, which is something that I do think has been an issue, and he did have a couple of assists. Now, I'm not saying he needs to get 34 minutes a night, but you heard Bob Fitzgerald yesterday on the morning roast he said that there's a way that you can stagger the minutes for James Wiseman. You could bring him in at the end of the first quarter and at the start of the second, and then you could bring him at the end of the third and the start of the fourth, and if he's rolling, you could keep him in in that fourth quarter and let him close out the game. But if he's not, then you could take him out and you don't necessarily have to keep him. But at minimum, he could get 24 minutes a game. And wait till you hear what James Wiseman had to say because I do think that he wants more minutes. 11 minutes for him is not necessary. Just the size that he brings. Um, DeAndre Ayton, time and time again, was, you know, daring him to take that mid-range jumper, which, uh, you know, he knocked out a couple of them. He knocked out a couple of them, missed a couple of them as well. Um, I do think that he got kind of a raw deal trying to uh, post up on Ayton and didn't get the foul calls that were necessary because, you know, he's a 19-year-old rookie and some refs aren't going to call that. Uh, but I do think... Wiseman deserves more minutes based on what I saw last night because even though he was 5 of 14 with 11 points, he looked confident. He didn't look frustrated. You know, his body language, it looked like he deserved to be out there. So that's number one. And number two, what I saw from the starting unit with Nico Mannion is that I know Brad Wanamaker gives you something on defense. I understand what Steve Kerr's trying to, because uh, that's what Steve Kerr says. The, the you know he knows that Wanamaker's struggling offensively. Anyone who's watching the games understands that Wanamaker's struggling offensively, but it's his defense that Steve Kerr praises. He doesn't believe they're going to be a top five defense without Brad Wanamaker in there, and I get that. But the second unit to me, it feels like has just been a liability. When that starting unit gets up big, Steph Curry might knock down a couple of threes. Draymond uh, looks confident. He's making passes. When Kelly Oubre's in, he's driving to the hoop. Um, you know, Andrew Wiggins at the time is knocking down the mid-range. And sometimes not all of those aspects of the starting unit are working. But when they are, when they're all clicking, I do believe that the second unit takes that away. And what uh, and what uh, what Nico Mannion showed me yesterday is that he at least deserves some time to play the backup point guard role because he was playmaking, he was not afraid to shoot the basketball, and he knocked down a couple of them. Um, it's clear that he knows how to work with centers in the pick and roll. And then we move on to Jordan Poole. So I believe that Nico Mannion, for one, deserves a little more time um, because I do think that Brad Wanamaker was watching this game thinking, damn, I mean, he's making more of an impact than I am. And, and by the way, before we get to Jordan Poole, I just had to check this out, uh, checked out how he guarded Chris Paul because 
again, like I said, the Suns. I mean, even though they were with, uh, even though the Warriors were, were without Steph and Dre and Kelly Oubre for that matter, they still went out there with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikal Bridges, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, their normal starting lineup, and Nico Mannion was guarding Chris Paul, and in the four minutes that Nico Mannion has matched up with Chris Paul, sure. The team overall has gotten 16 points, but Chris Paul by himself in four minutes that Nico Manning has matched up on him has only scored two points, two points. And that's because he got to the free throw line against him. So I'm not, you know, it's a very, very small sample size with, that we got with Nico Manning, but he at least showed me enough on offense to where I'm like, okay, I get that Brad Wanamaker plays good defense as a point guard, but defensively, it seems like that second unit as a whole has been a liability. So they've been a liability on defense for the past few games, and then on offense, if Eric Paschal or Andrew Wiggins aren't giving you scoring, who's it going to? You go to Brad Wanamaker, he's not going to give you much scoring either. So I'm just saying that there are some positives with Nico Mannion. And the guy that was a star of the night, though, was Jordan Poole. 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. What did you see from Poole last night? How did you view last night with these younger players going up against a very, very good Phoenix Suds team who are now 24-11 on the year? And remember that stat, they started out 8-8 eight and eight, uh, to start out the season. And since then... 16 and 3. So they're a pretty damn good basketball team. What did you see from the young guys? 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. We'll get to what Jordan Poole did uh, coming up next because I do think that Steve Kerr had some interesting comments after the game and I believe that we are going to be seeing more of Jordan Poole in the second half of the season. 888-957-9570. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Happy Friday, everybody. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. And how we do it is Friday morning. Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't tune out after that one. Uh, that's not going to be as good as what I said with the slide yesterday if you tuned in at 5.18 in the morning. But good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford did on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. 888 is the text line and the phone number. If you want to weigh in, we do have uh, Kevin in Oakland on the line, who I'll get to in just a second, but I just got the update. And if you, like me, during quarantine when, uh, you know, there were no sports going on and I was uh, I was completely fortunate enough uh, to, still, uh, co- uh, to still be working during that time, but... I got into Formula One and Drive to Survive on Netflix. It's one of the, it's a sports documentary. If you're a sports fan like we all are, especially if you're listening right now, it's great. It's fantastic. And it'll get you into Formula One. So I actually watched a few Formula One races this year and 
Apparently, the trailer for the next season of Drive to Survive came out, so I was very, very distracted (laughs) through the entirety uh, of the break. So I recommend it if you got nothing to watch. And uh, the Formula One season is going to be coming up here, I think, in about a month. So, um, you know, if you want to get into a sport like that and you want to understand what Formula One's all about, because I originally went into it going, what, so just Lewis Hamilton's going to win again? All right, cool. But it means much more than that. So I recommend you check it out if you haven't already. Drive to Survive. It is uh, awesome. New trailer. Hmm. From Mikey Dubs from the 707. The rim looked like a pool to Jordan Poole last night. Hashtag splashy. (laughs) Tough one, Mikey Dubs. Tough one there. Let's go to Kevin in Oakland because I do want to share my thoughts on uh, on Jordan Poole. And uh, Kevin in Oakland wants to weigh in on what we were talking about last segment, which uh, we looked at James Wiseman to start out and then a little bit of Nico Mannion. But Jordan Poole is who I wanted to focus on here. But Kevin in Oakland, let's get your thoughts on, uh, on, on Nico Mannion overall and just the team overall as well. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, good morning, man. Hey, I tell you what, fired up like Shasky, you know? So, hey, uh, I I tell you what, Nico Mannion looks really, really good. He looks smooth. His jump shot's gotten a lot better since since college. It looks like he's been working on it. Um, I just feel like he should definitely be the the guy coming off the bench to run the offense. Wanamaker looks like, I don't know. I I know Steve Kerr praises his defense, but I think think Nico Mannion plays equally as good defense. He, He got a nice little steal off the inbound. He was aggressive, like you said. He, there was a rip through from Chris Paul, and that's the only reason Chris Paul scored those two points. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think, yeah, you got to play that kid. He, he's really good. And then Jordan Poole, uh, unbelievable. I mean, he looks smooth. I mean, Steve Kerr said he was the hardest working guy in the offseason, that he was in the earliest every day and out the latest every day, really working on his game. And I just feel like if you do something like that, it, it, like it looked like it looked like in the G League, it looked like it last night. I know, again, it's a small sample size. I thought he looked good when you put him in garbage time earlier in the season. And I kind of was like, why aren't you playing this kid? So I'm just kind of tired of the Warriors wasting talent. They let go of Kendrick Nunn, who was on the two-way contract, or not really a two-way contract. He was playing for the Warriors. And yeah. he's like basically starting starting point guard for the, for the Miami Heat. It's like, what if we had Kendrick Nunn right now? But you let him go for what? You had him. You had him. Could have had him. Uh, I just don't understand. We got guys in the system that probably are pretty good if they get playing time, but then you play garbage players instead. So, uh, you know what? Jordan Poole looks smooth. He looked, I don't know, I hate to say it, but like there was a couple moves he was putting on there that looked similar to Kobe last night. I'm just being honest. Like, I'm not saying he's Kobe. I'm not saying he's anything like that, but I mean, he always had that ability of Michigan to get to the rim, and you saw it last night. And then if he can get that jump shot working and not just shoot erratic shots, I mean, <laughs> what are you doing? You got to play him. Looks almost look looks better than Wiggins last night by a long shot. You know the thing for me, Kevin, that I that I saw from from Poole is not only just how confident he looked with the three point shot and driving to the hoop. I mean that one handed dribble he had with his right hand where he did, just didn't even use his left and he shot it over Comiskey and then got the and one. I was just like, oh my god! But uh, for me, Kevin, it was just. He had this look in his eye where he like he looked like he was on a mission. Like even though the Warriors had no chance of winning this game, Poole looked like he was just going to be as aggressive as he possibly could in the minutes that he was going to get. Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Appreciate the phone call, man. And and Jordan Poole last night uh, was the talk of of Twitter. And here's the thing with Jordan Poole and um you know and and Kevin brought up to me uh that you know Andrew Wiggins like what are they going to do with this contract? I mean, is there going to be a point where uh, they just they trade him? But here's the here's just the facts. It's Brian Windhorse came on earlier this week. And he kind of gave us a dose of reality with Wiggins. I know the talk has been like, you know, Wiggins or Ubre, who are you going to choose for next season? What are you going to do with Ubre as a free agent? Are you going to, what are you going to do with Wiggins? Blah, blah, blah. But something that Windhorse brought up was that, look, this contract that he got, he's making 29 mil this year and is going to continue to make more on average in the next two years because of that max contract he got with the Timberwolves. Um, there's not going to be another team who's willing to trade with him. And if the Warriors do uh, trade him, it would not be in their benefit. Sure, they could trade him for a different player, uh, but they'd have to probably trade him for a little bit more of an expensive contract, go that much deeper into the luxury tax, or you'd have to add some assets along with them. I think uh, from what Windhorse was saying on Monday earlier on the morning roast, it'd be very hard to make that sort of move. So uh, Wiggins is who we're most likely going to be seeing uh, going forward on this Warrior team. (laughs) I mean, Wiggins last night, it was funny because in that Blazers game, and if you heard me talking about it for the entire hour, in that Blazers game, Wiggins was absolutely just taking mid-range shots just trying to post up, maybe take a step-back jumper, uh, a a deep two, a lower percentage shot, and something that he hadn't done recently, and I'm not even just talking about the Blazers games, I'm talking about any of these games beforehand as well, um, he wasn't trying to get to the rim. You know, he wasn't being aggressive in that way, and one thing that I was impressed by with Wiggins uh, early on in the season was I knew that he could shoot the mid-range and shoot the three from time to time, but it it was his ability to get to the rim and use his length to jump over guys. And he hadn't used that in the past few games. Um, but last night, <laughs> first possession he gets, I mean, he drives to the hoops and get the, he drives to the hoop and gets the end one. <laughs> I was like, okay, he wants to change it up a little bit. But, you know, we are in that stretch right now where Wiggins seems to be in a little bit of a lull. I wouldn't be surprised because. This is what we've been told whenever we we ask about Andrew Wiggins and who he is as a player. He's the type of guy where, you know, for three weeks, he'll show you that he can be that number one overall pick type like he was. He can be that. But also, there's going to be another couple of weeks where he's just kind of taking the plays off. And that's kind of like the Warriors season as a whole this year. You know, they don't win by they don't get get on three game win streaks till the end of the season, but they also don't lose three games in a row either. It's really a roller coaster, and that's how it is with Andrew Wiggins uh, as the season goes on. Except you could just separate that into weeks. Um, but Jordan Poole last night, I I feel like him and Nico Mannion at least deserved and showed that they should play at least within the second or third units, and somehow Kerr needs to stagger their minutes and get them into the game. I'm not saying that he needs to give them both. What'd they get last night? What'd they get? We had Nico Mannion getting 31 minutes, and we had Jordan Poole getting 26. I'm not saying they need to average that amount of minutes a night, but I'm just saying at least get them in the game. 
because they brought a spark. And I don't know what the benefit is of going out there with the same old second unit this year if you're not really expected to be a championship team. Wouldn't you want to develop these younger guys and get them some minutes? Because I think Poole is far past that whole confidence knock thing. That's what happened in his rookie season, and that's why they wanted him get some get wanted him to get some work in the G League. It's because his confidence seemed shook after being thrusted into the starting lineup last year and forced to be that two guard who can make threes. But you know, I don't really see there being much of a disadvantage of at least giving these guys some playing time and getting them ready for uh, getting them ready for next season when you got Steph, Clay, Dre possibly Wiggins or Oubre, depending on what kind of moves they make, and Wiseman as your starting five, you're going to need to sort that second unit out. And I do think that just giving them the experience, giving them the minutes, much like James Wiseman, uh, will only suit to benefit them. But um, here's Steve Kerr, and I wanted to uh, play this uh, these couple of clips here of him talking about uh, Jordan Poole and to start off, here's what Steve Kerr liked about Jordan Poole's game. Well, I liked his confidence. I liked the way he came off screens. He's been working really hard all year on catch and shoot, just coming off of picks and being ready to shoot. He's Throughout the pandemic, he was the most consistent player we had in terms of the, the daily work. You know, he and Chris DeMarco worked every day, and, and that was one of the things they worked on. I think he's just really refined it, everything, you know, in, in Orlando. I think Chris Weems and his staff have done a fantastic job preparing Jordan and Nico for uh, for their return, and I thought both guys really played well tonight. And they did, and they looked like they had some uh, commu- they had some chemistry. And they've built that chemistry down there in the G League. You know, there's a couple of times where Nico Mannion has a screen set and and Jordan Poole goes around and Nico Mannion passes him the ball, shoots a three, and he knocks it down. They looked like they understood each other. And I just don't understand uh, what the benefit is of not putting these two guys in. What is, what are you going to, what do you stand to gain from keeping Brad Wanamaker in and just giving him those minutes in that second unit. They're going to have to make a change at some point. And I don't even know if that has to be uh, Nico Mannion. Hell, it could be Jordan Poole, who said after the game that most of the time he's played, uh, for most of his career, he's played on ball instead of off ball. So uh, he could play even in that point guard spot, and you could put him in the second unit and maybe stagger his minutes with Nico Mannion. I do think that uh, Steve Kerr has a lot to think about uh, in this coming week. But uh, Kerr continued and just talked about how uh, Poole is learning his way into the league. Well, when you play like he did tonight, then you you definitely deserve another look, and you know you you always have to earn everything in this league. And the way he played tonight, he definitely earned more minutes. So. You know, we're going to be looking at a lot of things over the break. When we return, we've got a lot of decisions to make with our rotation pattern. You know, we're going to have to, to try to find the, the right balance and the right combinations to, uh, to really improve and stay in the, in the playoff fight and continue to develop these young guys. And not a lot of these threes that he took last night as he made five total, not a lot of these threes that pool knocked down they didn't look off balance he looked comfortable and he looked confident in taking the shot he there wasn't much hesitation 
You know, he knew when he got to his spot that he was going to shoot the basketball and he was going to knock it down. And there were a couple, man. I mean, there was a 30-footer that he knocked down in that game. And look, I mean, the and one that he had, I just think that what Jordan Poole showed us last night, even though I, I get it, the game was lost and, you know, maybe the Suns were being a little lackadaisical on defense. Um, but still, what he showed last night, I think he... Him and Mannion both uh, put a spark into this team. And then James Wiseman alone um, at least has deserved some more minutes. So that's what I want to talk about coming up next is James Wiseman. And I want to get to the sound because I do think um, that his development is something that's going to be key within this second half. And Bob Fitzgerald on the morning roast uh, put it very eloquently. So we'll play that uh, coming up next. Plus, we'll do a little preview of what's to come in All-Star Weekend as we got our man Steph Curry in the three-point shooting contest. And we also have James Wiseman and Michael Mulder uh, make it a team. So we'll get to all that next. Stephen Langford did all the pregame show. Thanks for joining me, everyone. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. 95.7 again. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. We're heading into the weekend. We got about 23 minutes left in the show as Joe Shasky and Bonte Hill are going to take over from 6 to 10. Kate Scott is out today. She'll be back next week. She's calling a hockey game uh, tomorrow night, so uh, good luck to her. And uh, by the way, just going to give a little shameless self-promotion here, but uh, if you are a Raider fan, my Raider podcast, Black Hole Sundays, a new episode's coming out today, and if you are wondering what is happening with all these off-season moves, they released Gabe Jackson, and they uh, they saved $9 million in cap money. Uh, Trent Brown possibly going to be traded. I will be joined by your boy Q. Your boy Q, of the he's the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And if you are an OG 95.7 fan, you know who your boy Q is. So a new episode will be dropped today. Really looking forward to the conversation with your boy Q. You can find that under the pregame show tab, by the way, and uh, anywhere you get your podcast. But the radio.com app is my favorite. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. Before we get to this text, I just want to say we have not come up with a good play on words for Wanamaker's last name. <laughs> we just haven't done it yet. I mean, the 925 here uh, starts out with Wana Misser. Yeah, I'm out on that. Sorry, 925. I love you. Uh, Wana Misser is shooting 35% from the floor and 23% from three on four and a half and one and a half attempts per. Uh, that's respectively. He also can't keep his handle under pressure and gets absolutely worked at the rim. Literally anyone would be better. And I think that last night, if you didn't watch the game, if you didn't watch the game, I don't really blame you. You know, because Steph and Dre are out. You're going up against this Phoenix Suns team who is red hot right now. And, you know, you don't feel like there's going to be much going into the game. But this game did answer a couple of questions. 
I did wonder when we've been calling out Brad Wanamaker, right? When we've been calling him out, I've been saying that for me, with him, I'm thinking, what are your other options? I said, sure, you could bring Mannion and Poole up from the G League, but has anyone really watched enough G League to know what Poole and Mannion can bring to the NBA? Right? That's how I was at first. That, that <laughs> For the 5-1-0, Brad, get the hell off the floor. Wow. <laughs> nice. Uh, sheesh, that's, that's, that's brutal. Um, but I did not know what they would bring. I didn't know what you'd replace him with. But last night, for me, the question was answered. Nico Mannion, at least from the point guard position, brings you something offensively where he's looking to make plays. You know, Brad Wanamaker at times will just try and dribble drive to the hoop if he doesn't see anything, or he'll just make one pass. It's not like he's trying to dictate the offense, but Nico Mannion is, you know, passing the ball, then running off ball, getting people to set screens, and creating opportunities for these other players. I haven't really seen that much uh, from Wanamaker so far. And that aggressiveness that he showed is something that, Wanamaker has shown some during some games, but there are other games where it's just like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? And I understand he's a pro basketball player, so he knows what he's doing far more than I do. But there are some plays where, you know, it's just confusing. Um, So I do think that Nico Mannion showed that he at least deserves some minutes at the point guard position. And Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole showed the aggression he showed the confidence, and I'm telling you, like even though they were getting blown out, even though they were they had no shot in this game, and no one was giving them a shot. You know, Bonte, Jennifer, and Darrell were doing a great job on the pregame show, and when they got to Fitz and Coletta, they transitioned to Fitz and Coletta. I never heard Fitzgerald uh, like that before before a Warrior game. I never heard Fitzgerald go, well, <laughs> well, we got the Warriors and the Suns coming up, and I was just like, oh man, uh, but. Look, at least, at the very least, they showed you on offense that they are willing to be aggressive and they weren't afraid to make plays for themselves. And it wasn't just, yeah, I'm going to hand it off to Eric Paschal and just try and let him do whatever he wants. Although there were a couple of moments last night where that did happen, and especially when that second unit came in halfway through the first quarter, there were a couple of moments where it's just like, Paschal, what are you doing, dude? Just just dump off the ball, <laughs> you know? Pass it, dish it, do something. Don't just drive to the hoop and expect a foul called every time. Um, but I at least think they showed that energy on offense, and I get it. You know, the turnovers is what we pay attention to, to Jordan Poole, and that's what I saw. That's the number that stuck out to me uh, when he was with the G League, and there was a, a night where he you know, scored 28 points and had 10 assists or whatever it was, but he also had 10 turnovers. So I, I was focusing on that number. But I'm just thinking... Like, if you do go out there with the same second unit that you're going out there with now, I don't think that's going to be the team that will get you within the top six. I think regardless of who you put in there in the second unit, I think they are going to be a play-in team this season. It all depends on how Oubre and Wiggins go and if Wiggins can actually be consistent, which by all accounts, this is finally what we're seeing from Wiggins. It's that time where, you know, he'll have one hot month and then he'll you know take a couple of weeks where you're just like okay this is not the same Andrew Wiggins that we're seeing uh but 
you know, like I just don't think there's many disadvantages to playing these younger guys. But one dude who I think absolutely, 100% deserves to be in the starting lineup going forward in the second half, and I want to see him in the starting lineup, and that's James Wiseman. I want to see him within that starting unit. You know, and, and Bob Fitzgerald, you know, last yesterday on the morning roast with, uh, with, with Bonte and Joe, he had a way to stagger Wiseman's minutes so you'd be getting him at least 24 minutes a game. You put him for six minutes at the end of the first quarter, six minutes to start the second, uh, so you'd be playing a majority of the time with Steph and Dre there. Then toward the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. Then if he's rolling... You could add on some more minutes onto it. It doesn't have to be 24. So at the minimum, you could put him on the floor for 24 minutes. And I know yesterday he was 5 of 14 shooting with 34 minutes on the floor with 11 points. But he did have 11 rebounds, which is uh, something that was good to see. He got a double-double yesterday, even though it was a low double-double. But for me... You got to put him in the starting lineup with Stephen Dre. That's going to be the best way that he can learn. And it's got to be up to him to keep his confidence in check. Because what I saw last night in those 34 minutes, even though he didn't have an efficient night scoring, and really there are a few foul calls, which I, I do feel like he just wasn't getting because he's a rookie and going up against DeAndre Ayton, they're going to favor DeAndre Ayton in that situation because he totally tried to force a couple of shots. Um but I do think that Wiseman at least showed that he can play in that span, even though he's not having a great night shooting. He can at least keep confident. And that's what I saw yesterday. He looked confident out there, and he looked like he, he was the one. He knew he was the guy on the floor yesterday. And, you know, Kavon Looney coming off the bench, that was one of the more alarming things yesterday. Because that first unit that they put out there, starting with Nico Mannion, Damian Lee, Andrew Wiggins, JTA, James Wiseman, three of those guys who normally come off the bench. But that second unit that they had, you know, with Bazemore, with Wanamaker, with Eric Paschal and Kevon Looney, a majority of those guys should be able to at least hold and stand their ground against the second unit of the Suns, and they weren't able to do that yesterday. And I do think that that was kind of alarming. Um, Eric Paschal was only 2 of 9 with 6 points. You know, and and he didn't look great yesterday, and he was 0 for 4 from 3. I just think that these new guys, Mannion and Poole, made us realize that, look, this second half of the season... We could maybe use some changes uh, to these rotations. And it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's it's as simple as, yeah, you just put Nico Manning and Jordan Poole in and you're ultimately going to, you're, you're automatically a playoff team. But I just think with the roster that they have right now and compared to these other teams that are ranked below uh, the 10th seed, I do think that the Warriors are a play-in team regardless of who they have out there in the second unit because of Steph and Dre and hell. Kelly Oubre, too, because Kelly Oubre is playing lights out uh, in the month of February or was playing lights out in the month of February before he sprained his wrist. So I just don't really see the disadvantage of playing these guys. And now that the NBA has lifted that rule of uh, lifted that rule of two way contracts being excluded from the postseason, 
Now you can give those younger guys some experience in the playoffs if they do manage uh, to make that play-in tournament ranked from the 7th through 10th seed. So um, that's really where I'm at after watching last night. That is my big takeaway. I know you may not think there might have been much of a takeaway from last night, but look, there was, and we saw some stuff. From the 408, for, uh, no disrespect, but I've never really like liked or had high hopes for Wanamaker. Also, who do you think the Warriors should target for trade, and what should we trade? I mean, that's that's way down the road. That's way down the road because these contracts that they have right now, the top guys that they're paying, uh, Steph, Dre, Clay, and Wiggins, look, I love Clay as much as anyone else, but he hasn't stayed on the floor since they've given him that big contract. So that money um, is just really uh, kind of going nowhere. And by the way, what happened um, with that disabled player exception they got? The $9 million. Still have yet to use it uh, as far as I know. So I'm wondering what's going to happen there. I'm not really wondering about trades. I'm more what's. Uh, I'm more wondering what's going to happen with that $9 million exception that they got, that they were granted, that they qualified for from Clay Thompson's injury. But um, those two contracts, to Clay and to Wiggins right now, it's hard to justify saying, oh, yeah, you can just trade that away. No, it, it doesn't really work like that. <laughs> it doesn't really work like that, especially when these teams during the pandemic are bringing in less revenue and they might not have the, I mean, for lack of a better term, the luxury to pay in that luxury tax. Uh, from the 510 Jeez, this is brutal. Man, you guys are brutal. From the 510, two different 510 numbers. Brad, want to make me turn the game off. Also from the 510, want to make her should be the guy wiping the floor after somebody falls. Shame. My God, you guys are brutal. You guys are brutal this morning. I mean, the guy's a pro basketball player after all. He doesn't deserve to be the guy wiping the floor. But I am saying that these younger guys, they seem to have a little more energy and they seem a little more hungry uh, than he seems out there. Um, and that is that is an issue. From the 925, Nico Mannion, the Red Mamba. I mean, I'm not going to try and sit here and come up with nicknames for Brad Wanamaker because those last two uh, that I just brought up uh, were brutal, were brutal. Uh, but James Wiseman was a guy that I wanted to pay attention to and shout out for to James Wiseman for uh, making the Rising Stars team. So um, he will be involved in the All-Star weekend. Uh, but James Wiseman uh, spoke after the game, and I, I just love hearing him talk. But um, just listen overall to how he dealt with a guy like DeAndre Ayton last night, and I love hearing this from Wiseman. I mean, it, uh, it was pretty tough. Uh, this is fourth year in the league, so... Uh, he kind of taught me like physicality, most definitely trying to uh, trying to do a move on him, but like he was too physical. But like I'm just learning, most definitely, and um, just like his physicality is everything, his presence. So uh, it was fun playing against DeAndre Aiden, and uh, I wasn't afraid to take it to him, like go to the basket, and like you know show him my game. But uh, it was a fun matchup so far. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid, and that's all you want to see uh, from Wiseman. And at least he brings that scoring option. And, you know, as much as I love what Kevon Looney's done for the team and, you know, what he did in that series against the Rockets in the playoffs when he was playing with a hurt shoulder and he still put up, what was it? Yeah, it was at least 10 points in that game. I mean, nothing but respect for Kevon Looney and, and what he's done. And I understand he's very smart, but. 
I think you need Wiseman in that starting unit with Steph and Dre. And if he can improve his rebounding and improve his hands in the second half of the season, I think playing with those guys is what you need to do. I think that's what Steve Kerr needs to do, and I think he's starting to uh, understand that as well. And, and, and Kerr spoke about Wiseman. We'll get to that uh, in a second. I mean, sheesh. And from the 510, now what do you say, pro basketball player, you actually mean that? Like, you've seen him play, right? Oh, I have. I have. And look, these guys are in the NBA after all. And even though they may not seem that good in the NBA, to the average human, they are far better than anyone else. There's a reason that they are in the NBA. That's why I say that. I understand where you're coming from, 510, but that's way too, way too harsh. Um, from the 925, Wiggins has raised his value about as high as it's going to get. Time to move him and the Minnesota pick. Yeah, that Minnesota pick is going to be interesting. And by the way, let me just clear something up, too, uh, with the Minnesota pick. With the way that they are playing right now, you should expect them to possibly be within um, one of the wor- be one of the worst teams in the league. But I will say this. If they do have the worst record in the league, sure, they got a high chance of getting that number one overall pick. But compared to the second or third worst teams in the league, they have a much higher chance of getting the fourth or fifth overall pick. So if they do have the worst record in the league, it's top three protected. So if they make it in that top three in the lottery, uh, then you're not going to be getting that pick from the Timberwolves. But if they are the worst team in the league, they have a much higher percentage of getting the first or fourth picks. And the percentage of getting the second and third is way down. So you kind of want to hope that they are uh, the worst team in the league as far as their record. Uh, But look, man, I I think that... From the 408, why even mention Clay's name or contract when asked about trade, saying he hasn't been on the floor since being paid, like he didn't have to be dragged off the floor in the finals? No, I'm just saying, like, hey, that's just who the contracts are being given to right now, and that's how they're playing out. And those are just facts. Those are the top four highest-paid guys uh, on the team right now, and you're definitely not going to be trading Clay away. Wiggins, you can't trade that contract because no one's going to want to take that on. Like, you know. From the 209, I like this. Brad just want to make a living. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. Uh, let's get to Steve Kerr and what he had to say on James Wiseman before we preview a little bit of the All-Star Weekend. But uh, Steve Kerr just talked about that big, the biggest thing that uh, Wiseman needs to improve on. I think rebounding. You know, I think we, we're a pretty poor rebounding team. We got outboarded 52-39 tonight. He did a much better job in the second half. But, you know, rebounding is about positioning. It's about anticipating. And he should be getting better, you know, as he goes. So second half of the season will be really big for James. And for us to win, to, to be competitive, he's got to, you know, be a force in the paint on the glass. And that's something that I think we can all agree on because – even in the Blazers game up against Enos Cantor. Enos Cantor, um, you know, both of these teams, not very good at rebounding. And I do want to see uh, Wiseman get a little more aggressive uh, in that way. But again, he's, he's 19 years old. You know, he's 19 years old. He's going to grow. And I think Wiseman's actually going to be a, a damn good player. I think he's going to be a damn, damn good basketball player. So I'm really looking forward to what he's going to do in the future. And I, you know, 
a year down the line, two years down the line, I think we are going to be looking back and be like, man, you remember his rookie season when it just didn't feel like he could box anyone out? Now look at him. I mean, he's still going to grow. He's still going to grow. There's a lot to look forward to with James Wiseman. And the little spin move he had on Aiton yesterday, uh, managing to get to the hoop, the mid-range jumper, uh, hasn't taken as many threes. And I understand that people uh, want him to take more because of the high percentage uh, that he can take threes at. But look, to me, I mean, we know that he can shoot the three. Let's get him some work in the post. Let's get him some work going one-on-one against guys instead of, you know, being like, uh, let's take a look at Chris Stapps Porzingis, for example, who I forgot who I was watching him play against, but it was over the weekend, and he was in the post, and he was up against someone who was, he was up against a guard, and he was in the post against the guard, and he just threw it back out. Just threw it back out, didn't even go up against that guy. You do not want that for Wiseman. You want Wiseman to stay aggressive. So I think um, that uh, overall, this second half, as far as any player on the Warriors, sure, I'm looking forward to Steph, Dre, uh, Wiggins, sure, to see what he can do. Kelly Oubre, if he keeps it consistent, because it, it can make for an interesting conversation toward the end of the year. But what Wiseman does in his development in the second half is going to be a key thing to keep an eye on. All right. We do have All-Star Weekend, and if I'm not mistaken, they are keeping the Elam ending for this All-Star game. So really what they do is they uh, take the shot clock out of it, or they take the time out of it, the clock out of it completely, when there's four minutes left in the cor- in the fourth quarter. They set a target score, and then those teams try to reach that target score. And whoever reaches that target score first wins. And if you were out on the All-Star game before and didn't even bother watching it last year, uh, you should. I recommend it because this Elam ending, these dudes put in a huge effort toward the end. But um, the one thing I'm looking forward to is the three-point contest, complete with Stephen Curry, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. Now, for me, I'd love to say that I'll take Steph in this one, but Devin Booker, what he's shown in these three-point contests before, the dude is lights out. Um, I <sighs> Warrior fans aren't going to like it. I don't even like it. I'm a Warrior fan, and I'm not even taking Steph. I will take Devin Booker in the three-point contest, trying to be a little bit realistic here uh, when it comes to that. And the dunk contest this year, look... <laughs> I don't know what it is for me, but after Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, it just feels like it's almost impossible to reach that sort of pinnacle. I mean, Obi Toppin is going to be in it this year, and you know that's the rookie from Dayton who was the dunk champion uh, in the NCAA, had the most dunks, and you know he's a power dunker. I don't know what to expect with any of these guys uh, coming up here in the dunk contest. So we'll see. I watch it anyway every single year. Um, you know, sometimes I'm disappointed, but after all, the Warriors get to break, and that's what matters most. All right. Coming up next, the morning roast with Joe Shasky and Bonte Hill. Kate Scott is out today. She will be back uh, next week. She's calling a hockey game tomorrow, uh, so good luck to her. But um, if you are a Raider fan and you are looking for a Raider podcast, I got a new episode of Black Hole Sundays coming out today. Some moves being made this offseason. Gabe Jackson uh, released from the team. Trent Brown in trade talks. I'm going to be joined by your boy Q, 
who is the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast, of course, involved with the Locked On Podcast Network. So tune into that. You can catch Black Hole Sundays under the pregame show tab, wherever you get your podcast. But of course, I always go to the radio.com app. Man, Formula One, Drive to Survive. New trailer came out. So stoked on it. I got a little distracted during one of the breaks. So this might have been a disorganized show, but I do think even though last night they didn't have much of a chance of a sun against the Suns, some questions were answered. All right, coming up next, Bonte and Joe Shasky in the morning roast. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. Have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday at 95.7 The Game.